0: And please remain standing if you're able. And let's turn to Hebrews 11 once again. We'll be looking at verse 7, and I'll begin at verse 1. Hear God's word. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for through which he was commended as righteous, God commending him by accepting his gifts. And through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken up, so that he should not see death, and he was not found, because God had taken him. Now before he was taken, he was commended, as having pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. By faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this, he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. Amen, here ends the reading of God's holy word. Maybe be seated. The world is in bad shape, isn't it? And by that, I mean humanity. That's what we mean when we think of the world being in bad shape. It's mankind, fallen mankind, that is a train wreck. Fallen man is just the way the Bible describes us to be bad, bad, but not as bad as we could be, totally depraved. The situation looks grim everywhere you find human beings, everywhere there are men and women and children, you will see this badness, depravity. There are a few bright spots. You see good here and there, and that's because man is made in God's image, and he's still in God's image, even though that image is shattered because of sin. But no one is as bad as they could be. People are given over to evil, but not nearly as completely As they could be. And that is God's grace at work in the world, holding people back, holding evil in check. And we should be so thankful for that. But if He ever withdrew His restraining grace, all hell would break loose. I can't imagine how bad it could be if everyone was as bad as they could be. And I wonder if we're seeing a little bit of that in our day, God withdrawing some of his restraining grace, because we see things getting so crazy, getting worse and worse, more and more in our day. It sure seems like we're descending deeper and faster than ever into darkness. But this is not a new thing. Uh, And again, it could be much worse, so much worse. Think of what we just read of the description of Noah's day. In Genesis 6, we don't really see bright spots, except for one. And that one bright spot was Noah and his family. And of course, that too was because God was preserving them. Verses 5 and 6 show us God's assessment of the whole world. It says, The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth. And listen to this. He saw that every intention of the thoughts of man's heart was only evil continually. And the Lord regretted that he had made man in the earth, and it grieved him to his heart. Imagine living in that society, being surrounded by people whose thoughts and inclinations and motivations were only evil all the time. It's not that bad in our world today. It could be so much worse. We need to be very thankful for God's grace that is still holding evil back in mankind and granting repentance and granting faith to many. But that's how it was in Noah's day. That's how bad it had become then. The whole world was an absolute nightmare of evil. Unbridled sin and corruption and uh, everyone was given over to it and they seemed to love it they loved the darkness the world was so dark that god determined to wipe it out completely and start over but then we're told about that little spot of light that little ray of hope noah noah found favor in the eyes of the lord Noah was a very special figure. And what made him special was not what we so quickly think about. He saved all those animals in the ark. Uh, we love to think about that. But Hebrews 11 tells us what really made Noah special, and that is his faith. Noah was unique among the people of his day. And it was because of his faith in God. Noah believed God. God told Noah that the whole earth's population was going to be destroyed in this worldwide flood. God also told him some good news. He told him that he would save Noah and his whole family if he would build that ark. And Noah believed God. Now, that was a tall order to believe God in this. Just think of what God had told him to do. Building that ark was going to be a massive, massive undertaking. And Noah was not a builder, he was not a shipbuilder or any kind of builder, he was not an engineer, he was a farmer. But God told him to build this ark. This ark that would be massive, one and a half football fields long, and just about as wide as a football field, four stories high. Probably the largest ship ever built at that time. If you haven't had the chance to go to Kentucky and see the replica, it is something you should do just to get a get a sense of the scale. Of this thing. I doubt the original was quite that pretty, but it was functional. It did the job. Another thing that would have made this very hard um, to believe uh, these things that God said to Noah, uh, this warning God gave uh, Noah had never seen a flood, probably never seen a big flood in any case. Certainly not a, a truly large-scale flood, but um, he had no frame of reference for even thinking about such things. God's describing this incredible cataclysm that's going to come upon the whole earth. But regardless, Noah heard these things. He heard God's word, and he believed. Even though it sounded... Completely impossible. God had asked him to believe two things. Two things. One, this flood was coming. And two, there was a way to be saved. Only one way. Building that ark. And Noah believed these things. Certainty was formed in his heart after hearing the word of God. and Especially God's promise of salvation. Noah believed. He believed God. God worked that faith in Noah's heart. Just as he has to in anyone who believes God and comes to faith in God. But in the end, Noah considered God as trustworthy in everything that he'd said. As crazy as it sounded, as impossible as it sounded, as impossible to to relate to as it was at that time, Noah could see it with the eyes of faith that it was going to happen. He believed. He believed that flood was coming. It was as real to him as if it was already happening right before his very eyes. He was certain. He believed God. He trusted God's word. Hebrews 11 verse 1 was being lived out by Noah as he heard God's word. Verse 1 says, Faith is the assurance of things hoped for. The conviction of things not seen. All this was not seen. And yet Noah believed anyway. And that's what faith is. And that's what faith does. Faith hears God's word and believes what God has said. That was true for Noah. And that's still true for us. And we see the reality of Noah's faith by what he did in response to God's word. He didn't just sit around and keep believing. He acted on his belief. He obeyed God. He built that ark. He staked his life and he staked the lives of his family members and of all those animals On God's word. Not only that, but his whole life's work for the next 75 to 100 years, depending on uh, how you look at it and how you figure it, uh, was all based on God's word. God spoke and Noah believed. And he acted on that belief by obediently building the ark. Think about this. There's probably nothing but dry land anywhere around, as far as the eye could see. They're probably very far from the ocean. Nevertheless, Noah got right to it. He got busy with his new calling as a shipbuilder. I can't imagine him doing this. And we're told he did this in reverent fear. In reverent fear, he constructed the ark. What does that mean? It doesn't mean that Noah was terrified of God, that he was afraid that God would uh, punish him, slay him if he didn't uh, build the ark. The idea is... Something very different from that. Reverent fear. The idea is he had a sweet, reverent devotion to God. This is a positive, um, heartfelt reverence for God. He had a heart for God. We talk about having a heart for God. That's what Noah had. This is not a, a, a servile Fear of punishment. This is a loving respect. Like a son should have for his father, who he knows loves him. The son wants to do what pleases the father. That's how it was for Noah. And that's how it should be for all of us. Now that God is our Father in Christ. We're not slaves living in terror of God's judgment falling upon us. Not if we're in Christ. We're sons of God. We're sons of this great loving God who uh, loves us, cares for us, lavishes his grace upon us, and he's proven his love for us at the cross. We are greatly loved. Children, we are fully accepted by this awesome God. And so it's only fitting that we would respond to him with that reverent love and uh, respect and obedience. That's what he wants. He wants us to have a heart for him, hearts that love him, hearts that adore him hearts that want to please him and that's the only kind of motivation that will really sustain us for the long haul for this lifelong walk with God that we're called to as believers but that reverent loving heart of a believer it needs to lead to real obedience And we see that here in Noah. He did what God called him to do. Genesis 6.22 says, Noah did all that God commanded him. He built that ark. And it surely cost him. He had to suffer. He was probably uh, mocked all the time by the people uh, of his day. They were probably uh, so amused by Noah and uh, this uh, thing that he was building that looked so crazy, this undertaking. He probably thought he had lost his mind, and yet he pressed on day after day, year after year, because he believed God. And out of that living faith, he obeyed, and he kept obeying. That's what faith does. Faith believes God's word and it obeys. So we need to ask ourselves if we really believe God and his word. If we do, the proof is not in what we say, but in what we do. If we really believe God's word, we will obey him. As well. Are you committed to that kind of life, a life of obeying God's word? Obviously, it won't be perfect. We're going to stumble as sinners, we're going to fall at times. But if our faith is real, it will bear good fruit the good fruit of good works, of obedience. We'll get back up when we fall, and we'll keep on keeping on in the way of obedience to the Lord. Calvin said, we are saved by faith alone, but the faith that saves us is never alone. True saving faith is always accompanied by obedience. Obedience. Noah's Ark shows us a perfect demonstration of how faith and works go together. Why did he build that ark? Well, it was by faith. Unless he would believed God, he never would have got on with that work. He would have never undertaken the building of that giant ship. So faith was what motivated him. Faith was everything in the building of the ark. He believed God. He believed what God said about that flood coming. He believed of God and what he said about the one and only way of salvation. And he demonstrated his faith by the work of building that ark. You know, the same is true for us you will live out what you really believe. If you believe what God says, for example, about you being a sinner in need of the Savior, then you will put your trust in Jesus Christ. And you will repent of your sin. You'll look to him for the forgiveness of your sins and for the righteousness of God that he credits to us only by faith in Jesus Christ. And then you'll also seek to walk with God. because You'll have a new life within you. You'll seek to live by faith and obedience to this wonderful God who loves you. But if you don't believe the gospel, None of those things will happen. You'll just keep living according to your beliefs. You'll keep living in your sin and your unbelief like the rest of the world. We read at the end of verse 7 that Noah condemned the world. Condemned the world. What is this? What does that mean? On 2 Peter 2, we're told that Noah was a preacher of righteousness or a herald of righteousness. He was preaching to the people of his day, preaching righteousness to them. Now, we don't know what this looked like in his life. Maybe he was an actual uh, preacher, uh, a street preacher of sorts in his day. Or maybe it was the act of building the ark that... uh, the writer has in mind, that Peter has in mind. He surely had to explain this incredible undertaking that he was involved in. He had to explain this ark building to the people around him. There must have been many questions. And he must have warned them about the righteousness of God. He must have warned them about the judgment of God that was coming. He must have told them, what God had said. It seems they all went away in disbelief. Noah was not trying to condemn anyone, but the truth had its effect in those people's lives when they heard it and rejected it. They were condemned. In the same way we Need to do something like Noah did. We need to be telling people why we are living the way we are, why we live by faith in Christ, why we seek to live in obedience to Him. Again, we're not out to condemn anyone, but people will condemn themselves. By rejecting the gospel, our job is to share and to show the gospel as we live out our lives by faith in Christ and by obedience to Him. Noah certainly couldn't force anyone to join Him and His family on the ark. He couldn't make anyone believe God's word, nor can we make anyone. Come to Christ by faith. That's God's Spirit's work. He has to do that work if it's going to be done in anyone. We can only bear witness and seek to share the word. Lastly, we're told Noah became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. This is the, um, really the first place in Hebrews where um, the writer speaks um, in, in such a clear way, um, just the way the Apostle Paul speaks of the righteousness that comes to us through faith in Jesus Christ. Luther called this righteousness an alien righteousness. Righteousness. It's from outside of us. It doesn't come from within man. It comes from outside. It's an objective righteousness, not something that we produce by our works. It's a gift that comes from above. It comes from God to us the moment we place our faith in his Son. Romans 1 says, In the gospel, A righteousness from God is revealed. A righteousness that is by faith from first to last. Just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. Of course, Paul, in that great passage in Philippians 3, speaks of this righteousness again, and he expresses a a desire, a great desire that he might have this righteousness, this alien righteousness, as his only righteousness. He said he wanted to be found in Christ, not having a righteousness of my own, he said, that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. That alien righteousness from God is necessary for anyone to be saved. Every sinner has to be saved this way. There's no other way. We can never generate a perfect righteousness of our own. And that is what we need. We need perfect righteousness in order to enter God's heaven. There's no way we can earn it. There's no way we can achieve it on our own. The only way we can obtain perfect righteousness is this way. By faith in Jesus, it has to be a gift of God's grace. We must believe that he died in our place for our sins. And we must trust in him alone for our salvation. And the moment we do that, God grants this gift to us. He forgives all our sins, and he credits the perfect, flawless righteousness of Jesus Christ to us. And then he begins the ongoing work of his grace within us, making us righteous, transforming us into the likeness of Christ's perfect righteousness. and That's that lifelong process that we call sanctification. Well, it was the same with Noah. So long ago, he believed God, and God gave him that righteousness that comes from God through faith. His faith wasn't so clearly focused on Jesus Christ, the way ours is, but it was faith in God's word of promise of salvation nonetheless. And it's the same righteousness that God gave to him. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that beautiful? You see, the unity of God's wonderful plan, his wonderful way of salvation, that is by grace through faith in every age, all through history. Noah was righteous in God's sight with an imputed righteousness, just like we are. And he was then growing in a righteous life as well, just as we are. And notice he's called an heir of righteousness, an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith the writer throws in this idea of uh, being an heir and an inheritance. If you're an heir, that's nothing that you can boast of. You don't earn an inheritance. It is a pure gift of sheer grace, the grace from another person who simply chose for you to have it, chose you to have it, and not someone else. It could have been given to someone else and not you. But it's given to you purely by grace and by the choice of that person. That's how it is when we inherit salvation. It is an inheritance from God to people who don't deserve it, haven't earned it. He simply chooses and adopts us to be his children, and he lavishes this incredible inheritance upon us. And that's also why we can rest assured that we won't lose our salvation. It is safe and secure because we didn't earn it to begin with. God sovereignly chose to give it to us. He sovereignly determined that we should have it. And he had sole authority to make that choice and to give this inheritance. So it's ours forever as a gift. It can't be lost or taken away. We cannot be taken away from God. We are His children by His doing. And no one can snatch us out of His hand. Nothing can remove us from God's family. We didn't get ourselves there to begin with, it was all His doing. And furthermore, He really is our inheritance not a bunch of things, not a bunch of riches and wealth and material possessions. Surely there will be many of those things in the new heavens and the new earth, but God himself is our true inheritance. And to have him as our God and to be his, to be his beloved children, that is the very best of all things. That is eternal life. And we are safe and secure in his hands forever. By faith, by faith alone, in Jesus Christ alone. And by that faith, like Noah, we will be saved from the judgment that is to come. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your glorious plan of redemption and for sending your Son into the world to accomplish it. We thank you for your wonderful Spirit who makes us alive in Christ and applies uh, these great blessings and benefits to our hearts and lives. Thank you, above all, Lord, for granting us faith and the righteousness that comes from you. We could have no... Uh, hope of heaven, no hope of having you as our God and our our great eternal inheritance Uh, apart from that gift. Cause us to stand by faith, Lord, to the end, even in this dark world. Give us a faithful witness to the watching world around us. And we ask all these things in your Son's great, glorious, and mighty name.